The sad part is, when it's all over, it's like we have to watch her walk off into the sunset and say goodbye again. I'm Bill Berkheimer, Rachel Berkheimer's father. Welcome to Gremlin. What what happened with the raccoons? What do you mean the raccoons? You sent me a text that was meant for Dave and you're like, there's raccoons in our shed. <laughs> I saw a raccoon um, waddle underneath the shed and I've been suspicious of raccoons under the shed because every time I let Reggie out, he sort of looks sideways. Uh, and sometimes we see him sniffing around it, and but he doesn't go under, and and then he moves on to this life. But I saw him like a lot under. I've also noticed that I feel like every time I look at it, it looks like it's jankier and jankier over there, and it's because someone's fat body is being wedged <laughs> in and out of the holes and like ripping pieces off of it. So it's like it looks jagged and and janky. And I'm like, am I crazy? Because my husband likes to gaslight me. Occasionally, because we look a hundred-year-old house, right? So yeah. Okay, like, and when we bought it, it had been freshly painted. So now it's a year later, and the paint is sort of, the house continues. I know that people say the house settles. Yeah. I'm sure that after a hundred years, it shouldn't be settling anymore. <laughs> and it probably means something else. But, like, the, <laughs> the cracks, I think, are new. I'm like, that wasn't there when we moved in. Right. Yes, it was. And and he's totally full of it. <laughs> Probably just trying to make me feel like the house isn't falling down around me. So, like, I'm gaslighting myself, seeing this shed, be yeah. like, it looked worse today than it did, like, like what week looks ago. looks worse? Like, the, the stuff yeah, on so the like, bottom? Yeah, there's plywood. Oh. And so they come in and out, and I think they rip, it catches on their fur or something as they're, like, coming in and, or out. Yeah. And little pieces break off. And it just looks more like... Uh, I'll take a picture for you. <laughs> you should take pictures just to, like, document. Yes, like, I should. I'm telling you, this shit is happening. Well, I saw the, the giant rodent crawl in there, so... I don't think raccoons are rodents. They're not? I don't think so. Marsupial? No. Well, uh, our marsupial, or only marsupial in Pacific Northwest slash America, is the possum. I think. <laughs> I'm like, they I been- said that, and I was like, ooh, is that correct? I feel like, sure. Sure. I think it's the only native marsupial we well, they climb have. trees. And I thought they have a little pouch. Oh, is that what makes a marsupial? I thought monkeys are marsupials. You're <laughs> 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 not? I don't think so. <laughs> It's been a really long time since I've A been to the zoo. Or B took a biology class. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I guess I'd rather have raccoons than you can be than like a possum. Linda, like from Bob's Burgers. I know. With their fucking like alley raccoons. King Trash Routes. Yeah. <laughs> little King Trash Routh? Is it Little King Trash Routh? I thought it was Little Trash Routh. And she's there's multiple. Yeah. But okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not... it's cute or like because I'm scared that they're gonna hurt the cat. Your backyard chronicles have continued. Yes, <laughs> you need to put the fence up. Yeah, so I I meant to text Dave, but I texted you the panic anger, which was funny. And you know what I did? <laughs> it is really funny. I, did, I laughed. I didn't bother to like 
text him when I texted you. I just took a screenshot of our conversation and sent it to him. And then he was like really confused. <laughs> That's even better. It's all there. Just no context. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. I also had a bit of a vermin standoff okay. recently. So I was over at the apartment over here, 36, sure. like the, I live on the third floor, right? I saw this little thing kind of dodging around over at their Christmas decorations. And okay. Like, what the fuck is that? And I like pulled back their outdoor storage. <gasps> it was a rat. A rat. A fucking rat. I felt oh. so bad because I was like, oh God, ew, ew, ew. And Coleman was like, I don't fucking know what to do. And yeah. then this rat just yeeted itself <laughs> off of the stairs oh God. and like somersaulted down in the air like head over tail <laughs> like over the stairs or on- like down the stairs oh down the stairs. but like i mean it probably didn't feel good listen it's probably also totally fine <laughs> the, yeah the yeet is the exact way you should describe what i imagine you saw that. And did you hope it was a kitten, though? Is that why you looked? Uh, oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Oh, you thought it might be a rat. I was just like, what is it? I just, I can't <laughs> not look. I'm that person, I guess. <laughs> I'd be like, is it a kitten? <laughs> I would have loved to know. Yeah, I mean, I would love a cat distribution system. Yes. Cat. But oh. it was not a kitten. Damn. It was a fucking rat. Not a Christmas rat. <laughs> Not a Christmas rat. <laughs> like almost killed itself getting away from me specifically, which is a metaphor for my life. <laughs> this is Grimly. 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 The the mixtape of yes. horrors that occur in the world. What are we talking about? Uh okay. So today I'm finally getting into a murder case. Okay. It's a rough one. Okay. So trigger warning for everybody. Um it is a murder of a young girl. Okay. There's some domestic violence in there. There's some pretty grisly details. So this is not your cup of tea. That is okay. We will talk to you next week. I will definitely do something a little bit lighter next week. Okay. But this is kind of our hometown murder. Oh, okay. I knew a little bit about this case, but I did not know the entire story. Oh, what's the case? It's a uh, Rachel Berkheimer. Is that the reader? Yes. Hit? Yes. I, okay. Because I think I know about it. I was telling my husband about this, I don't know, probably six, eight months ago. Okay. Because um, Dave and I talked about it too. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and he was like, I don't know, didn't believe my word I said. I'm like, really? I looked it up just enough to be like, this is, this was this, the lore. This is a thing. Yeah. And this is a thing. So I'd love to hear what you wait on that for us yeah okay so 2002 rachel was 18 years old so really only a couple years older than us yeah well, what oh she was 18 so she would have been a senior a senior or had just graduated yeah okay and we were 2006 was our graduating so we were freshmen okay yeah so we would have basically gone to high school together with her sure. she would lived in the tulalip indian reservation okay i think there's a bunch of suburbs over there that are not just tribal specific yeah and she went to marysville Polchuk high school oh okay so not our high school not even close but this is related to the linwood 
Linwood, Everett, no. Oh, okay. Linwood, okay. Yeah. Not Linwood High School at all. There wasn't any mention of Linwood High School in my okay. research. Okay. Yeah. What, what What? did you find? I think that's what I always heard. Oh. Oh, okay. Was that she'd maybe gone to school there or like some of the people involved had gone to school there. Oh, okay. Um, No, she went to Marysville Pilchuck High School. Okay. She was only 4'11". Oh, tiny. Like very tiny. Yeah. She was blonde, had really, really bright blue eyes. I'll show you a couple pictures of her later, but she just like, she had the craziest bluest eyes. I was like, really, like just kind of shocked. Oh, wow. Big bright smile, you know, was kind of described as a spitfire, which usually I feel like girls that are 4'11 are just kind of spicy spicy tiny little packages which sure. i always really appreciate uh-huh I, I don't know if that's like a defense mechanism for girls that height but yeah she was definitely described as a spitfire like creative theatrical like more of a go-getter oh she sounds lovely yeah definitely light up a room type of description girl yeah that we always hear about spend time with. yeah yeah she had like a big group of friends it was funny um her dad kind of referred to himself as her answering machine Okay. Because <laughs> just like she always got phone calls at home. He was just like always. I take down the note. Yeah. Like let me just take down another number for you, Rachel. Bright girl, bright young future. Until 2001 when she lost one of her best friends in a major car accident. Oh no. Yeah. His name was Corey. And you know, they really loved each other. They were kind of like a brother sister relationship. It wasn't like romantic. It was platonic. Ugh. But just like two peas in a pod type of situation. So after Corey died, in the next year, she lost six other friends. What? Yeah. It was all random. Like, suicide, an accidental gun. Oh my god. Car accidents, a drowning. Just insane amount of friends in a year. Oh my god. Like, I can't imagine losing six friends now as an adult. No. And when you're that age, your friendships are just... I mean, I think your friends, when you're in that age range, they're so important to you. Like, your friendships are just so fundamental. And you're growing up, and you're kind of making who you are as a person, right? Yeah. You Um, know? So... So, 2001? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, like, early 2001, just, like, kind of the span of the year. So then... When she was 18 in 2002, her father kind of described it that she just kind of lost the light oh. that she had. Yeah. And, you know, like kind of had some really deep depression mm-hmm. from that, which I mean, it's pretty understandable. Yeah. I can't imagine losing that many people now no. in a year. Yeah. No. Just a huge blow Incredible. to her. And, you know, her parents tried to take her to a therapist to like kind of, you know, talk about her feelings and just try to like get through it but she was still having a tough time she ended up dropping out of high school and she quit her job as like a short at a restaurant okay i don't know if it was specifically like a server or like maybe a hostess type of situation but she so she dropped out of high school quit her job it was just kind of like hit like a really low point in her life whoa yeah so okay so senior year senior year Dropping out your senior year is intense. And quitting your job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Got a lot of time on our hands now. Yeah. And, you know, it just... I always think about... Well, so after that, Rachel kind of started hanging out with, like, a shittier group of people. And she started getting a little bit more into drugs. Sure. That explains some of the... Yeah. Lack of motivation. Right. And she was always described, like, growing up as a very motivated person. Mm-hmm. 
you know, her family described her as a person who would like have a to-do list every week. Okay. Like she'd write down her goals for the week on like her mirror in her room. Wow, very organized. Very organized, very determined young girl, but just like this big blow she had in one year just really affected her life. Sure. And I always think now when I hear people talk about people who are dealing with addiction, it's like, well, these people are just lazy, you know, like they just don't want to try and they just are like drains of societies. No, these are people who are like truly, really hurting. Yeah. And like reading about the story, it always reminds me of that. Yeah. You know, it is an epidemic right now, especially in like Seattle area. Yes. But like it, just having some empathy for these people, I think really does go a long way. You know, just having some empathy for humans. Yeah. Some compassion. Some compassion. Yeah. When you mentioned the six friends that she lost in a year, like I know people that we went to school with who would pass and opioids were a big problem yeah then even yeah and like you know in the in the few years after high school so yeah. they would there would have been there would have definitely been people using and abusing opioids specifically yeah during yeah. that time right and it's just you know these are just people who just don't have access to help really yeah is a big part of it too unfortunately and yeah it's usually like young kids who experienced some sort of trauma and don't know how to manage it yeah you know you know being in high school is already hard enough yeah for a lot of people yeah it's like a crazy time in your life trying to figure out like there's a lot of pressure on young people yeah to figure out what you want to do with your life and take on enormous loans and start it right now yeah uh, at 18 right it's just like it's insane it is it is insane. insane all right so rachel is in with a bad crowd. Right? Yeah. Rachel starts kind of getting in with a bad crowd and she meets this boy who is named John Anderson. He goes by the nickname Diggy, which I'm not going to call him Diggy because it's stupid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's part of this quasi gang that's starting to happen, Everett. And they call themselves the Northwest Mafia. Oh. Which is some Michael Scott bullshit. <laughs> God, I know, but like, I live in Everett. Everett has always had a reputation. Um, of like, a shadier side. Uh, yeah, Everett is the place if you want, if you think you want to be a gangster. In the early 2000s. <sighs> and yeah. you live in, in, the, in the north end. Yeah, you're not Seattle. Yeah. This might be the place for you. And I mean, that's kind of what it was. It was like a bunch of like 17, 16, 18 year olds, like teenagers, like dumb fucking kids. We were talking about this earlier, how scary it is. Yeah. Yeah. Our teenagers to be into bad kid shit. Yeah. It's scary. It is scary. Yeah. But yeah, they refer themselves to the Northwest Mafia, which is it. DD and the Northwest Mafia. It's so stupid. What's his middle name? Do we know? No. Where did he come from? I don't know. I, I'm imagining he took it from Diddy, as in P. Diddy. Maybe. No. I say it's so similar, and like <laughs> it's too similar to not like copy. So John was controlling and abusive, super jealous. At some point, when they started dating, he was incarcerated. Okay. And her dad found out that they were dating because he had a six hundred and forty dollar phone bill. Uh, she was on the phone. She was on the phone with Shelton Correctional Facility in oh, Shelton, Washington. Dear. So she was like calling him constantly. Okay. And he, they had like a very intense relationship. Mm-hmm. 
for someone i mean even if you're not that young but like especially someone that young yeah so he was a very jealous very controlling type of person there's been reports that he would like smell her hair and her clothes every time they hung out to make sure that she wasn't hanging out with anybody else okay (laughs) just weirdly manipulative and gaslighty and creepy sounds creepy yeah yeah kind of the classic abuser and then her sister started to notice that she had bruises on her so that it also became a little bit of a abusive relationship in that sense too okay so rachel was deep in it with him for a while and then after kind of a short stint within the relationship she decided that this is not the person she wants to be with which is pretty commendable for someone that young sure you know because i think when you're that age like love is so intense yeah and it just seems like a takes up your entire life and like there's nothing else that matters and so i really do commend her for just being like you know this isn't okay okay so she's gonna try to leave it yes she has left him she did leave him she they broke up there was like a bit of a back and forth which which is normal which is normal i mean it's it's normal normal for an any kind of relationship or young a youthful relationship it's yeah especially normal for a domestic violence yes dynamic and they say that like when the victim is trying to leave a relationship with domestic violence is when the danger spikes yeah more dangerous yeah it's more dangerous from it. yeah which is the abuser's lost control of you exactly which is horrific Okay, so we're worried. Yeah, Rachel. So we're worried. Her her family's worried. Her sister, also is named Megan, was very worried about her. And I guess they like had like a really long conversation one night, and she was just, "This is not the life I want. This is not the person I want to be with." You know, she definitely was starting to foster a change in her life, and she kind of was building herself back up from that deep depression of losing all of her friends. And then that's kind of when she started becoming friends with another Northwest Mafia. Okay. I can't fucking say it without laughing because it's so stupid. <laughs> okay, but these are these are guys that are in her orbit. Yes. Okay. She became a friends with another Northwest Mafia gang member, whatever you want to call them. Okay. His name was Maurice Rivius. Okay. And they kind of fostered a friendship very similar to the friendship she kind of had with her friend Corey mm-hmm. who passed away. Okay. Very close. Maurice also had a really intense upbringing, it sounds like. Was in the foster care system. His closest relative was a grandmother who sure. didn't raise him. Wow. And so I kind of had like a rough childhood, a rough upbringing, rough. which yeah. is usually kind of what we see with people who end up joining gangs, right? Sure. It's people who have had some sort of abuse in the, their past or like just had a rough childhood. So he also joined this gang, met Rachel, and they kind of both decided that they wanted to get out of this group. Okay. And they wanted to go back to high school. They oh. wanted to get jobs. They wanted to get their diplomas. They just, like, kind of wanted to get back into a, yes, quote-unquote, contributing yeah. member of society. Okay. Right. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. Oh. Yeah. I will say that this is probably where it starts to get a little more intense. Mm-hmm. So, just fair warning for people. So, during this friendship that she forged with Maurice, John obviously still around he's very jealous yeah. of this and he starts telling other gang members that rachel's going around and giving out gang secrets oh wow yeah which to give you context of this gang they didn't do anything sure. they were like petty crimes they would like steal drugs from other people sell some of them do most of them and play like video games 
Yeah. So I know what gang secrets could be passed around besides like maybe a fucking cheat code to a Grand Theft Auto, but <sighs> gangs are weird. <laughs> gangs are just like a whole realm of like I don't understand your commitment to it. Mm. Yeah. It's a cult almost. It's almost like cult like. Sure. So John started doing this. He started he's kind of. He's trying to turn people against her. He's trying to turn people against her. Try to put her in a bad light. You know, because she was like this bright, sunny, friendly girl, mm-hmm. and everyone kind of liked to hang out with her. Yeah. And she just was fun, and she was eighteen and wanted to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And beautiful. So. John kind of plants this seed of passing around. So toxic. It's so toxic. He just he really is the villain of the story, honestly. So September 2002, Rachel was at a party with some of these Northwest Mafia members in Everett. And they're in like a duplex. Okay. They were like like smoking pot, like eating pizza, playing video games. Very like standard house party. House party, early 2000s. Is she still 18? She's she's 18 at this point. Yeah. Yeah, 18 at this point. Maurice was there and she went to this party with Maurice being there, like knowing that she'd probably be safe, and like also with the hope that she could kind of smooth things over because she knew that John was kind of spreading these rumors about her. Okay. And so she wanted to slip like remain friends with these people and she wanted to smooth things over and be like, hey, this isn't true. I'm not that type of person for whatever reason. Yeah, clear her name. Clear her name, you know, and not like having a bad taste in anybody's mouths about her specifically, which. I like I wish she would just like been like fuck you all I'm leaving but sure unfortunately that's not how it goes so they're all hanging out at this house party having a good time just playing video games laughing enjoying themselves John comes in to the house and he sees that everyone's having a good time okay and he is pissed because she's there having a good time because she's there having a good time everyone else is having a good time and then yes it was definitely it didn't work he was trying to plant these seeds of everyone hated her but, I mean, Rachel was the person that everyone wanted to hang out with. Okay. So John didn't like this. And he kind of goes around the group and kind of slaps some people around and starts yelling at them. Oh. Kind of gets in everyone's face and, like, definitely, I mean, brings down the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. And during this moment, Rachel tries to leave. Okay. Teresa gets up. She's like, Smart. nope, not doing this. Trump grabs her by the hair, throws her on the ground, and starts kicking her. Oh my god. The rest of the gang joins in. They start kicking her too? Yes. No. Yeah. Well, what is his position in this gang? I mean, it kind of sounded like he was like a quasi-leader. It was like still just a very <gasps> early infancy type of gang. I'm horrified. Yeah. I mean, okay. it sounds like he had a lot of control and manipulation over a lot of people. Yeah. Specifically. Maybe. And you'll see that a little bit more of that oh in a minute. So they, they threw her to the ground. They start kicking her. And there was a point where one of the other gang members tells somebody else to turn up the stereo to muffle out Rachel's screams. Yeah. Because they're in a duplex. Yeah. I imagine. After they beat up Rachel for a minute, they pick her up. They tie her up. They gag her and they duct tape her mouth. And they it's, put her it escalated so so quickly. quickly. It was like drop of a hat. Oh my god! From one moment, just enjoying themselves like being teenagers, us oh, just like goofing around to just this. Okay. So they tie Rachel up, duct tape her mouth, put her in the garage, and they go back inside because they're trying to decide what to do with her next. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so her friend Maurice is there. Go on. Maurice fails us. What? Yeah, you'll see. <gasps> so then they like went back in the living room, they just started smoking weed, they were playing video games or pizzas. Okay. And just like hanging out and kind of deciding what they want to do next and also party it's at like the an same time. She was, you know, yeah. Okay. There's just like this poor girl in the garage. Yeah. Yeah. Type of mentality. Evil. I know this is also a trigger warning. They debated them whether or not they wanted to gang rape her. Jesus Christ. Yeah. There was also talks of just putting her in a hotel for a couple of days and laying her heel up. So it really was both ends of the spectrum. To be like a fly on the wall in that room. And, and like they're teenagers. They're idiots. I know. I'm just like, and all, were there no, women in the room or only men? Uh, we're going to get to that. Ah! <laughs> oh my God. Horrified. So while Rachel was in the garage on the ground, like bound, oh, gagged, scared, horrified, scared, the owner of the home, Trissa Connor, comes home. She was studying at Everett Community College. Okay. She had like a night class. She comes home, opens the garage, and finds Rachel beaten on the ground okay trissa okay. comes home she finds Rachel on the floor she goes to the kitchen it's going to grab a knife to cut rachel free cut okay. her bonds essentially john basically intercepts and yells at her and is like, no you can't do this this is not your business you need to leave oh, i'm sorry this is <laughs> trissa's house this is trissa's house Oh, and her okay. boyfriend is one of the gang members. Oh, okay. But, like, this this part of the story pisses me off so badly. Because there was a moment where it could have ended. Yeah. Like, she could have opened that garage, saw this girl on the floor, yeah, and then backed out of that garage, went to a neighbor's, went to a grocery store, went to a gas station, called 911. Sure. I guess, given the context of the people that she's hanging around with, maybe she would know what was the right decision yeah i don't know i mean it sounded like there was just kind of stupid kids though at this point you know it wasn't they were selling drugs yeah you know there weren't like they weren't the northwest mafia quote unquote right. you know they're not in organized crime there isn't so cringe. I'm cringing. yeah okay. all of it's so cringe um you know and just like i try not to judge people but i judge her harshly i'm not gonna lie because there was that moment like clearly she knew that she should have done something because she went to the kitchen to grab a knife to cut her free and instead of going into that house where all these people were who had done this crime to a woman mm -hmm. she could have left and she could have called somebody yeah i don't know okay well hindsight hindsight is is a bitch don't get me wrong but okay i don't know there's just so many moments like this, where someone could have done something and they just actively choose I'm to. I'm judging Trissa less harshly than the group of people in the house that contributed. Okay, fair. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, they are also not being judged, but it just... As a woman, I feel more inclined to... She was scared. She probably was, but like, why go in the house? Like, why not I don't know, she leave? What's happening in there? Gone. Anyways, so John intervenes, tells her she can't do that. Okay. Basically, like, gets in her face and I think probably, probably threatens her. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Because he is a very dangerous human being. Clearly. Clearly. So Trissa's getting ready to leave the house and they see John and a couple other people put Rachel in the duffel bag. Oh. Because she's tiny. 
She's 4'11". Okay. So they put her in a duffel bag. It's getting worse by the minute. It is getting oh worse. God, like, okay. the claustrophobia uh-huh. of just being in a duffel bag. Which is just nothing good is happening now. Yeah. They put her in a duffel bag. Yeah. The hotel option is not happening. A hotel option isn't happening. That's definitely not a thing. So they put her in a duffel bag. They put her in the back of another man named John's red Jeep. Okay. And that's when they decide to drive her to Reader Road. The Jeep thing is fanning out to me because what people tell. Well, are we? Are you going to talk about Reader Pit at all? Uh, I mean, is that where they dumped? That's where they dumped her, yes. right? Yeah. So I feel like there's some context here. So like that mm. area mm-hmm. is known for like a four buying, four wheeling, like mecca, ATVs, yeah, dirt bikes off like those kind of jeeps that like only drive off road. Yes. Yeah, so it's a it's a little like you know mountain road up in the the cascades yes they call this the cascade foothills okay and a lot of the other yeah and it's probably like 30 minutes away from from where like my parents' house was growing up Mm -hmm. like another 20 from yours like yeah yeah very close and like we grew up knowing that that's where kids went to party party there yeah yeah and so it's like a well-known spot for people in high school and like yeah post high school and if you grew up and went to high school in the area then you definitely knew about this spot about breeder pit so like them putting her in a jeep yes that tracks for the area it tracks for the area unfortunately so that person that they must have been familiar with that is like a moderately remote area yeah to to go yeah so yeah that's when john maurice and two other men drive rachel with a duffel bag into the Cascade Foothills, a.k.a. Reader Road, Reader Pit mm-hmm. area. Which is funny because, side note, every picture of Cascade Foothills I found in these articles shows Mount Rainier. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Mount Rainier is like two and a half hours, three hours from this area. South. South, yeah, of that. They're driving from Everett this much detail. to Goldbar. Yes. Which is where Reader Road is, yeah. and which is where we grew up. And so so John and two other men grab shovels and begin digging a grave up in Reader Pit on Reader Road. Oh my god. And Maurice is told to stand with the double bag with Rachel and basically keep watch. And he does that. Oh, so sick. And then she's conscious the whole time oh in the duffel bag, just like she knows what's happening. I'm sure. And it makes me sick. Oh, yeah, it's just awful. All of it. It's just fucking awful. At some point, John leaves with the Jeep to go get some more supplies. I don't know what supplies he was getting, but essentially Maurice and Rachel and the two other people are left alone. Okay. So we have another opportunity. We have another opportunity. But they take the Jeep and leave. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everyone went up there in the Jeep, so maybe they don't have, like, a mechanism. They're just standing there with her? They're just waiting there with her, yeah. But there's it, other people out there. Do we know what day of the week this was? It was just, it just says September 2022. No, not 2022. Um, 2002. Oh, so we don't know the day. No. But, like, it's not like it's, a, like, a no-man's land. It's also a forest. You can go hide. In the hour. That's true. <laughs> there's plenty of places to run and hide, too. Yeah. So Rachel... Starts to plead with Maurice. They could have just unzipped her and let her run and, like, just feel like she got away. I know. So many moments. Yeah. Oh so she God. begins to plead with Maurice. She's like, You have to save me. You're my best friend. Just 
you know, someone who she like felt incredibly safe and close with. Unfortunately, Maurice does not do that. He, for whatever reason, listens to John's orders and well, won't let her go. Essentially, in this moment, and they all know what's gonna happen. They well, he he claims that he didn't think it was gonna get this far. He didn't think it's that like it was going. Far. Yeah, they're already digging a grave in the middle of fucking nowhere. I think they were just gonna scare her. Yeah, I think that's kind of. Yeah, he thinks that like that's what's happening. Essentially, is they're just kind of trying to scare her. This reminds me of that movie Alpha Dogs. Have you seen that? Maybe with Justin Timberlake. Ooh, it sounds really familiar. Yeah, it's just you know it's. It's one of those scenarios where everyone just know this isn't going to go any further than this. Yeah. It feels. Okay. But clearly this John guy has no end to like the things he was willing to do and the rage he seems to have. Yeah. There was one point that's really sad too, where Rachel was essentially begging Maurice not to let her drown. She was like, I know I'm going to die, but please don't drown me. Whoa. Which is so tragic oh my god <laughs> like that like I, it's just like i don't know what they're gonna do to me but please don't don't let me do that because there's a river there's a river right there yeah, yeah. it's cold and very very scary like that, that she thought they were just gonna throw her and the depth of the idea yeah. oh my god yeah so she she played to maurice about that too <sighs> and so when john comes back from whatever supplies he was getting he hears rachel basically pleading with maurice like please don't kill me like please don't hurt me just I just want to go home. Probably yeah. it was a lot of it. John hits the duffel bag really hard with the shovel. Oh my god! And then they continue to dig this grave for Rachel. Ugh. Like I said, this is a rough one. So they pull Rachel out of the duffel bag and they try to strip her down. And in an act of defiance, she's like, "Fuck you! I'm gonna get myself undressed." Okay. I think because they just don't want like the, the, the identifying clothing okay that's kind of what it seems like but she was like fuck you i'm not doing it myself oh my god oh my god <laughs> it's horrifying it's horrifying she's she's a baby she's and she's just, like so aware of everything that's happening yeah she clearly can see the writing on the wall and then they also start to take her jewelry oh my god because you know it's another identifying factor yeah. right and she had a ring that her friend Corey had given her and she begged John to let her keep it. And he said no and took it off of her. And they were going to carry her to her grave. And she's like, no, I'm going to walk to my grave. Holy shit. Yeah. In like a fuck you defiant act. Okay. And John tells her to get on her knees where she gets on her knees and she starts praying and I guess John's last words to her were, you're going to be with Corey soon. Oh my god. And then, How hey, do you know all this? I've got so many questions. Tell me more of a question. Like, who's telling this deep, this, retelling this? Is they probably- 100% turn on each other as soon as, like, there's any sort of pressure. Okay. So, that's how we know all this. Okay, go on. Because they're pieces of shit. Cowards. Cowards. All to ruin through. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. So, John takes a gun. He shoots her. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what he went for. Yeah. He, he essentially unloads um, an entire clip. Whoa. Yeah. And kills her. Okay. And then proceeds to tell everybody, including Maurice, to bury the grave. And Maurice Jeez. does it. 
Maurice is completely compliant. Whoa. Yeah. There was a moment where I said that like he was just like kind of sitting in the Jeep during this, but John's now you have to go out and see this. Oh my god. And Maurice is like, okay. Yeah, you better. Yeah. Honestly. Like you're in it. Yeah. You're in it. You're here. Like you let this happen. Like I it's another one of those factors. Like same thing with uh Trissa. It's just like you had an opportunity to stop to this. stop this, to yeah. do the right thing, to be and I try not to I mean Maurice is a little more I don't know if understandable is the right word. It's not the right word. Because clearly they were already out in the middle of nowhere. He was probably a little scared too. Sure. Because he's also a teenager. But at this point, you have to see the writing on the wall and know that like your best friend is about to die if you don't do something. He was not a friend to her, obviously. No, yeah. His quote-unquote best friend or someone that he was very close to. I'm like, I wonder if he like had a crush on her. And was like friend, you know, like jilted. those guys that are friends, but like only because they really want something else. Yeah, and like how genuine was this friendship? Right. I don't know. I mean, it's probably it's also that factor. It's probably easier just to be a piece of shit. Yeah, he gets no sympathy from me. No, no. Yeah, it's Trash. honestly beside him and John are just like the real villains of the story. Yeah, like that's the. The betrayal. Yeah. Because like John was also supposed to be her boyfriend. Wow. Who was clearly probably she has some really intense. Shit yeah. But like he was definitely, he was like when they were in a relationship, he was telling her, I would kill for you. I hope you know how much I love you. You know, it was that really intense relationship. You know, it's all fucking gross. It's horrible. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> So these essential fucking losers, they marry Rachel, they leave her up at Reader Pit, and they leave. And they make a pact with all of them who had been part of this crime to not speak of this, and this is now our secret, essentially. Oh, sure. Okay. So the next day, her family's obviously, like, very worried. She's missing. She know, lives at home? She lives at home still. Okay. Yeah. You know, she was very close to her family, so too. she was missing yeah. immediately. Yeah, nearly immediately. And so they called the police. They started this huge search. They put like, up missing posters in Snohomish and King County. They even went as far as the airport and put missing posters in the airport and, wow. like, just tried to see if they could figure out where the hell she went. So the police were getting a bunch of tips. Oh, really? And at this point, too. Oh. Yeah, because a whole room full of people saw at least the first portion of this. And probably participated in it. Yeah. And they're like, they're, they're little fucking boys. They're 17, 18 years old. One of the members' mothers tipped off police because her son, his name is Matt Durham, essentially told her what happened. Okay. Maybe he didn't tell her what happened specifically, but he told her that the Jeep, that red Jeep was involved. Oh. So Matt Durham essentially tells his mom that the Jeep was involved. His mother tips off the police and lets them know that the Jeep is involved in this crime. So police get this tip. They grab Matt Durham and take him in, put some pressure on him. He is quickly, quickly folds. Okay. And basically yeah, tells them. Yeah, he was ready to talk to his Yeah, mom. yeah. And okay. basically told them the entire story and led them to Rachel's gravesite. Oh, so he was there? 
I think he knew what happened. Jesus. It okay. did, I don't think he was one of the people that was there. Okay. Wow. So they must have all talked. So, nope, they didn't keep it a secret amongst themselves. No. Because they probably thought they were fucking hardcore mm-hmm. and, like, gangsters. He leads them to the gravesite in Reader Road, in Reader Pit, and Durham basically testifies that John Anderson, her ex-boyfriend, was basically the entire mastermind. Uh, masterminds. Not the right word. Shows. There is no ringleader. Ringleader. Ringleader is a better word. He was the one that orchestrated the entire thing, was kind of the person that started the entire assault. Assault. And then Durham gives the names of everybody else involved as well. Wow. Okay. And so once he gives the names, they grab all the other kids. Round them up. Round them up. And they all fold on each other like a fucking stack of dominoes. Okay. Like, just like that. Because... And then we have nearly all of the details. And then we that's why we have all these details of what happened. So all eight members of this group that kind of was orchestrating this assault went through individual trials. Oh, okay. Rachel's family was at all of them. Wow. And every time they had to listen to the really intense, grisly details of what happened to her. Yeah. Which is incredibly sad. John Anderson and another guy named John Whittaker, he was the one who owned the Jeep. They were both convicted of life sentences wow from the trial reporting it sounded like john seemed completely unremorseful about the entire part of it wow was like yeah laughing was like winking at the family was smiling acting like okay he was a fucking cool guy okay we smoke i like then i guess right yeah i'm like you're i hope you're a bitch in prison i'm humbled so matthew durham and maurice were both originally sentenced 26 years Wow. In prison. I think Matthew actually was the other person in the car. Oh, okay. He was the other person that dug the grave, which is probably why when he knew. Exactly. Right yeah. Yes. Okay. So he told his mom. <sighs> it's just all of it's just awful. Oh, um, lives ruined. Oh, nonsense. Yeah. Over some like stupid ego. Ego. One man's ego. One man, one child's ego. Yeah. Really. So Matthew and Maurice were both sentenced to 26 years in prison. Okay. Their sentence was cut down to 22.5, okay. which means they're probably due for release soon. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. And they're both going to be released before they turn 40. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a long term to be in prison. Not, I don't know if it's long enough. No, I mean... Especially, like, Maurice is... I don't know. If they get to go on and live normal lives and be okay. You know, but in like Maurice, there was an interview where he did express some guilt and whatever. He was just like, you know, like this was a stupid act. He's like, this shouldn't have never happened. So I guess I'll give him that, but it's like hindsight could have been preventable. Yeah, but it doesn't take hindsight of 20 years in prison to realize that it should never happen. Yeah. It should have been obviously not happening at the time. Yeah, I wonder... When she's begging you to for, like, to not happen. Yeah, where she's, like, literally give, asking you, help me. It's disturbing. It's very disturbing. And I don't know... 2002, someone had to have a cell phone. I would think so. I don't know if there was probably cell reception at Reader Pit. Yeah, I don't know. But call 911 at some point when you're at the house and everyone's partying, go to the bathroom. Like, call 911. 
there's just that's the thing that's really frustrating about the story is like there were so many moments where someone could have done something yeah if they just would have grown a pair yeah and been like you know what this is not okay this is not gonna happen today. yeah it's not gonna happen to her you know i will not know what was it that stopped that kept you going with the plan like are you scared of the strong guy i don't know are you not thinking that you're gonna spend the rest of your life in prison like right think do you think you're gonna get away with this you think that it, you can just pin it on this guy? I don't know. It's like a real ignorance. Even if you did pin it on him, you're still there. You're still... I know. It's like maybe just like an ignorance of the, how criminal justice works. Maybe. Or like... I don't know. It's just it's wild. It's wild. It's so wild. And there's just like so many moments where they just could have... It could have been prevented, you know? Yeah. And it's just... It's really unfortunate because, you know, like even her dad had mentioned at one point, he's like, he's like, it is really tragic because there was just multiple lives lost in this scenario because they all were very young. Yeah. They were like 17, 18, you know, like everyone else that was part of this group that like kind of facilitated her getting beat up at the beginning got multiple different types of sentencing. Oh, okay. Like 16 years, 10 years, 12 years. I really lit them all up yeah because they were juveniles but like also they had participated in this assault of her and i mean to give maybe like a lighter note to this um her dad in an interview he went to the gravesite and he said that he could tell that her hands were in like a prayer pose the dump site the dump site of her and he said in the soil he could tell that like she clearly had been praying and he had like some solace there he said which is a very yeah tragic, yeah. you know. He did say that like he's also serving his own life sentence because this is something that will never go away. Will never go away for him, yeah. and like will stick with him forever. He did start pushing legislation to make it so if you were complacent in someone being injured, or like if you weren't actively helping someone, that you would be charged with criminal charges. Yeah, it's just it's unfortunate, really sad story. Like, I feel so bad for her family. I'm really happy to spend your time with. Yeah, I mean, and you're a teenager. You're dumb. Like, there was so many parties like that. I mean, I, obviously, it wasn't, I didn't know they were gang members or anything. But I definitely remember being, like, 17, 18, going to, like, house parties for someone's house I didn't know. Yeah. And just, like, drinking and hanging out. And so you're like, I could have been in a situation like this where it's yeah. fair. Yeah. And like, I mean, when you're a teenager, you just don't think anything's going to go poorly. It's a tragedy. Really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, some pretty some pretty dark stuff. I mean, next week I definitely will do something a little more lighthearted. <laughs> very, very interesting though to like recap it. Uh, yeah. I, some of those details definitely were, were not on my radar. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely hope that if anyone's in sort of a domestic abuse situation that, you know, you can get out of it and move on from it. I know it's really scary, but I hope you find some help somewhere and find some resources because you don't deserve it. Yeah. I promise next week will be a little bit lighthearted. (laughs) But we will see you next week. Next week. All right. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. For podcast updates and episode photos, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Grimly Podcast. Also be sure to rate and review our episodes. See you next week for another episode.